Thank you for tuning in to Talking Digital Industries, the podcast for technologies and trends that drive industrial enterprises. My name is Alex Chavez. In this episode, you can listen in on a conversation that took place at the launch of Siemens Accelerator, the open digital business platform that will accelerate digital transformation. You'll hear from Cedric Nike. He's the CEO of Digital Industry at Siemens. Laura Matz, who is the Chief Science and Technology Officer at Merck. Patrick Verwehr, CEO of Govia Thameslink Railway, or GTR, as the company is also known. And Tron Skellerud, who is CEO of Elvia. Let's get started. Here's Cedric as he welcomes his guests and sets the stage for their conversation. So it's absolutely wonderful to have you today. And the reason why is because we want to make things real. And there's nothing more real than customers. And there's nothing more real than customers which have made things real. So the reason we're doing Accelerate is because of you guys. You're in very different industries and you want to really sort of uh, go and push the envelope. And in order to do this, we were looking for wow factors. So there's three different wow factors in your industry. I mean, if I look at Merck, 350 years old, twice as old as Siemens, and still one of the most innovative companies also thanks to the CTO, of course, which are really bringing sort of going at the forefront at technology and also pharmaceutical capability. So that's why you're here. We also have our friends from Thameslink, which basically pushed the envelope. Not only was the industry 1.0 driven by trains, even industry 4.0 and the next generation is driven by trains. And we need to understand what can we learn from each other also from the really trained sort of perspective. And of course, Trons. If you go to Norway, you're probably going to buy an electric car. You're probably going to use Trons grid. And Trons makes sure that two things happen. One, that actually renewables get integrated into the grid and that the whole grid is operated out of the cloud. So I'm super excited to learn from you. I'm super excited to see how can we drive this together. And thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to hear now about some of the big challenges facing Cedric's guests. The last years have been intense for pharma. And if you guess COVID is the reason, you're right. Here's Laura Matz, Chief Science and Technology Officer at Merck. Over the past two years with COVID, with seeing the vaccine basically being introduced in record time, this has transformed the mindset of the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry. And so now data is ever more important. We see regulatory bodies now changing their approach, asking for more data in real time, looking for new ways to treat data in the clinical trials and approvals. And so this is really a kind of critical capability for Merck as a whole. But one thing to think about is, of course, we need to have traceability of the data and transparency. And the transparency of the data needs to come all the way from the raw materials that we use to make the, the drug into our manufacturing and in the finished goods as we get it into patients' hands. And this is really key to the trust that we gain from our partners and also from our patients. And so I think this is something we're really focused on as Merck. I'm really excited because in 2021, we introduced a partnership with Siemens where we're bringing in digital tracking technology for data so that we can have that traceability and that confidence in the data. And so now I think we're really, really advancing. Another big change is new therapies. And here too, data and digitalization can help. 
the acceleration in new therapies is really exciting. In addition to mRNA, there's other therapies coming out, cell therapy. But this means that we have to treat the data very carefully and we have to be able to bring very complex data sets together. So if you think about a clinical trial, you've got the behavior of the patients in the clinical trial, you've got the genetic makeup of the patients, you've got how the therapy worked over time, how well even the patient took the therapy. And all of this goes into really starting to diagnose and create somewhat a digital twin of that patient. That's where we get to personalized medicine. But it's very important to bring those very different data sets together. And I think so interoperability is one of the key challenges I think we still face in the industry before we get to that like truly personalized medicine where each of us have our own digital twin that can be exactly diagnosed. Of course, with all of this data, security comes to mind. And so does traceability. Listen to what Cedric has to say. I mean, if I look at Merck, if I have a digital twin of myself, I want to make 100% sure that I trust you <laughs> and that it's traceable. I'm sure that's the same for you guys. I mean, that's why we really need to work on really across the value chain to make sure that the data is really true and it's secure. Because if I get a vaccine, it better works and it better not be, oh, we tried this, but I, I used something different in the process. So that's why we were working with Merck. We have the machines of Merck sending data and trustworthy data through the process so we can understand what's in there. And if you take a bottle today, you see what sort of components are within a bottle, but you want to know where it comes from. You want to know what the product carbon footprint is. You want to know if child labor was used, whatever sort of elements are there so that it's not, you're going to buy exactly what is going to be used in the right way. And that's why this collaboration is important. And you know what? Once we solve it, I'm sure that it's going to be useful for a new industry. It's going to be useful also for BMW, which is going to try to trace through all its supply chain where things come from. So thank you for innovating and let's replicate this. That's why we work with Merck. The fact that solutions can be extended from one industry to another is a special feature of Siemens Accelerator. And Cedric will say more about that later. Right now, though, we'll hear about other challenges facing Cedric's guests. This is Patrick Ware on the challenges in the railway industry. And for him, it's growing traffic volumes and legacy infrastructure. You'll remember, Patrick is the CEO of Govia Thameslink Railway, also known as GTR. The company is part of the British railway system and includes the Southern, Thameslink, Great Northern, and Gatwick Express routes. In London and the Southeast, since 19... 19- 96, passenger demand had more than doubled. It went from 500 million to over a billion. And all that was done on legacy or uh, Victorian infrastructure with traditional trains, but we were running out of capacity. So the only solution was to add capacity, we do something completely transformational and new. Now, the problem they had was that you can't just stop and say, right, you all, you, you one billion passengers, you're all still traveling for a couple of years while we're redesigning the railway. So I had to do it almost, you know, open heart surgery while the patient was still conscious. And that was quite a challenge, but that worked. And what they designed was a system that was, you know, a fully integrated system. Actually, what we've been talking about here today with stations that are intelligent, infrastructure that communicates and is intelligent, and then the trains, the wonderful Siemens trains, brought what's called Railigent, and that's uh, a digital 
asset management system, and that has given us great benefits for our train operations, both for the passenger experience as well as cost control. And we're collecting our 4 billion data points on that fleet of trains every year, and we're using that collectively with our colleagues from Siemens to generate predictive maintenance. So we know when an asset or an element or a component is about to fail. So we can actually fix it before it starts failing. And that is important because we want that all to be done while the train is out of operation, not while it's running and carrying 1,500 passengers. So I think that's all understandable. So that's combined with automated driver or train operations. So that means that the trains can virtually drive or run driverless. And that's important because that has enabled us to boost availability up to almost 100%. And obviously, that is where the passengers benefit. Patrick also talks about what's next for train operators. The key word is integrated. Leadership in the rail industry in technology is quite good. But when I say quite good, it's, it's only quite good. It's not particularly integrated and they don't look at it as a system. And I think that would be the next step because we operate in GTR Go via Templing Railway. We operate four different companies. Templing is only one of them. That's the most advanced. The other three still need a lot more developing. And we're only one of many train operating companies. And, and then the infrastructure, I think the next step is to link infrastructure. So track to the trains and then connect it to the timetabling systems and et cetera, and make it really clever. Look, all of us have taken trains, want to take trains, and we hate them to be late, and we want them to be available. So I lived in London, and I have to say, you've done a huge impact on doing that. And I'm good friends with the CEO of Siemens Mobility. I mean, he's a super geek in trains, and he tells me, I have this technology, but hearing it from you actually makes it real. Because the idea is this, this availability, you stress tested this with 250 million people, which all want to be on time and all want to have access to trains. And the thing he does, not only do you take these 4 billion data points, you're collecting them, you're analyzing them, you're putting AI and machine learning into it to predict what the future is. Most people don't know, the one thing which gets a train late is often a door, a broken door. So you need to see before the door actually opens or closes that it might sort of fail. The cool thing about working with Patrick, same thing here, is we encapsulated this technology, we can make it replicable, we get this data point, but wouldn't you like it, Laura, that your machines actually work and you predict before they fail? Absolutely. <laughs> wouldn't you like that you could schedule for hundreds of millions of users exactly when which sort of load would come on board in terms of renewables? I think that, Patrick, you've been a frontrunner not only to make life around London better, but actually could use technology which we could replicate, and that's why it's important that we're using it. So, Thank you. And yes, I do love trains. I mean, you might not know this, but I'm a huge train enthusiast. Not as much as Uber, but nearly there. Now you're going to hear from Tron Skellerud. He's the CEO of Elvia, one of Norway's largest electricity network companies. Tron talks about how Norway's love of green power and electric cars is putting the grid to the test. Norway has always had green power generation, hydropower. And uh, of course, combined with the very attractive incentives, electric vehicles has been very popular for many years now. Actually, we are planning to have 100% already in 2025. In Norway, we have had three decades with stable production and supply of energy and demand of energy. And it's only the last years 
that this has drastically changed. Uh, demand have grown uh, rapidly. We have projects right now that is almost as much consumed as we have today in total. And this is radical. Also in the mix, uh, we have new uh, distributed energy resources like uh, wind and solar. And this new demand and this new production and this new behavior, uh, it creates a new behavior in the grid. And that's the main reason that we are working with Siemens to solve the challenges that appear when when the behavior in the grid changes so fast and find solution that is both good for the environment, but also meets the expectations from the customers. In case you're wondering what behavior and grid changes Trond is talking about, it has to do with everyone basically doing the same thing at the same time. When you have, for example, electric vehicles, people come home from work around the same time and they do the same, plug in the vehicle at the same time. And if you go 10 to 20 years back, we used electricity in different ways. Now we do exactly the same at exactly the same time. Also, if you have an area where people live uh, with solar panels on the roof, it's not only one house that the sun shines on all of them at the same time exactly same time and how do you prepare the grid to cope with such rapid changes our uh, perspective here is that uh, we have taken a digital uh, transformation at a maybe more radical level than most companies we are we are changing the complete infrastructure in a period of three years and This is a massive technical and most important organizational project. We are in the the middle of this right now. Well, I mean, Tron is very, very humble because he took the number one and the number three grid operator in Norway together, combined them and says, I'm going to use a completely new digital infrastructure and whoever follows me can play with me and who doesn't. So we were nearly out. I mean, we shouldn't say this. We're like, Siemens, you've been doing this for a long time. Are you the guys which are going to do the two things? Move me to renewables. Sun is shining 24 hours in Norway in summer and nearly zero in winter, right? And I want to have this on the cloud. I want this to be a cloud sort of based infrastructure. And we rose to the occasion. And the way we did it is we built microservices. We built them on Kubernetes. We, We make that flexible. And we make you happy, right? I mean, this is why you're here. You wouldn't be here if we wouldn't have done the right thing. But why is it important? Because each one of you has promised by 2020, by 2030, by 2040, we're going to be carbon neutral. You can only do this if you use the technology Tron sort of came up with. You cannot completely rely on the grid operator alone. You need to combine the grid operator and your companies or your train infrastructure to start communicating. So we're making these capabilities available to everyone using really our Siemens accelerator capabilities. And that's why, thank you for a human change culture, but also a technology change culture, which helps us sort of take this technology across a lot of the requests which we have. As Cedric points out, success depends on cultural change on a human level, as well as on a technological level. And that's something Laura underlines. We look at it from two perspectives. One is the technology, which I think the partnership with Siemens has been fantastic and is really kind of enabling us to advance in that area. The second part is the people, because we can't put all this technology into the plant and then say, okay, now go make it happen, right? Run your machine learning models. And and they say, 
what? You know, what, what do you want me to do? And so the, the second part of this is really to upskill our people to bring them up to a level where they understand the capability that we put in place, what the power is in front of them now that they can, they can take advantage of that maybe they didn't have before. And that combination of the technology and the people coming together is where you truly get kind of the, the advancements. And for Mark, as a science and technology company, this is critical because then we can gain new insights into our products. We can collaborate with our customers so they can gain new insights. And I mean, I think that's really where we start to see the excitement, but it, is foundational is the collaboration. A big topic here, of course, is change, which is something that people aren't always so excited about. Cedric puts it well. Everybody loves change as long as it happens to somebody else. Laura, Patrick, and Trond give some insights on change in their organizations as a result of their digital transformations. For Laura, it's demystifying buzzwords. It's definitely a journey. And I would say the first level is that there's a lot of buzzwords. And so demystifying the buzzwords to make it so that people start to understand what we're actually talking about and how they can use it to make their jobs easier, that seems to be where we start to get the momentum. But it definitely, I mean, it's a mindset shift that has to happen. Because in order to get the benefit, you have to change your business processes in order to really sort of transform. Patrick says it's about allaying fears. Once people start seeing the benefits and the success of it, and I think, well, I spoke about our uh, train drivers earlier, they were very reluctant. Well, what's it going to do? Am I going to lose my job in the not too distant future? And we said, no, that's absolutely not the case because we still need you there to actually make sure that the train runs safe. But once they started seeing the reality and the, the whole thing come into life and everybody talking, you know, very, very proudly. So it can be done. I think the most important thing is that you don't shy away from it, that you accept people's reluctance and hesitance fully and look for common aspects. So what could be your point of interest to come on board this change program? And that's what we've done. From Tron's perspective, it's about getting buy-in. Buying from the people is necessary to have the success with the project. So it's completely essential. And to get buy-in from people, you have to involve them. You can't just present that this is the new work day or the new system or the new process. You have to involve them during the project. People are the key. And of course, I agree, they're not losing their job, but they have to be prepared to work in a different way than they do today. And I think for many, don't write, that can be very motivating. The conversation then moved to ecosystems. Laura started with ecosystems around the creation of drugs and in other areas in pharma. I talked about the learnings from COVID, and I think this has really resonated within the healthcare industry because, of course, uh, traditionally uh, developing a drug takes seven to 10 years, so very long time. Now you see multiple companies coming together to do kind of pre-competitive work. We're, we're participating in several of those, so there's ecosystems around the early drug discovery. There's then also ecosystems around bringing the patient data together. So going into a medical institute like MD Anderson, aggregating the patient data and then enabling academic researchers to take advantage of that data to learn new insights that they maybe wouldn't have had before if they didn't have that broader sort of sample population. But I think one key thing here is, of course, there is probably no more sensitive data than patient data. 
And so this is incredibly important that while we're advancing science and we're advancing the learnings that we're gaining from that kind of combined data set, we also have to make sure that the patient data is very tightly secured. And so that's one of the key things, I think, with the, the crypto anchor that we're working on in partnership with Siemens that can really sort of give that trust and that reliance that the data is being handled safely. Patrick says in Rail, the focus should be on integrating everything. We need to look at not just Thames Link, but we need to look at all systems, all relevant, probably slightly irrelevant systems as well, because they're all in isolated form, collecting data, that they're not linked up. So to bring those into a system and really then start looking at the train service as a proper system where we integrate everything and make it predictive for the benefit of passengers. And we're not doing that right now. Cedric wraps up the discussion talking about Siemens Accelerator, the new open digital business platform which promises to make digital transformations like those at Merck, go via Thameslink Railway, and Elvia, even easier. In order to look at the future, you need to look at the past. So if we look back for 175 years, we've been your partner, right? I mean, Werner von Siemens discovered the Dynamo Electric Principle, which enabled a grid provider to be a grid provider. We came up with the first electric train. We enabled, sort of, we're a bit older, but 350 years, but we enabled the <laughs> chemical industry in terms of uh, going forward. So that means we deeply, deeply understand each industry on its own. But the things which we're, which we're dreaming of is to basically say, look, we really understand the OT, the operational technology, but the, the world loves IT, the, loves the easiness, the capability to do it, the flexibility we need to do. And this is what we actually want to achieve with Accelerator. With Accelerator, we want to be open, so you're not locked in with anyone. We wanted to make it easy so that you can actually take one solution, put it with somebody else, and we wanted to integrate it. It's a plug and run, not a plug and play. It's a plug and run sort of type of technology. And if we do this, we take software capabilities and enable complete industry to do it. The idea would be that, Trons, you would run your grid as code, as a software environment. St. Patrick, you would run your real network as software environment with the speed of this. And the same your manufacturing process, Laura, you would run it. That's what we want to do. That's why we have launched Accelerator. The idea of Accelerator is really to take these software capabilities so we can just take something off, out of one industry and replicate it somewhere else in another industry so you can learn from each other. Because if we do this, Dirk said it beautifully, the sky is not the limit. What if, what if every time I plug into the grid of Toronto, any grid, it's only green energy, it's only CO2 neutral, perhaps even negative. What if we can achieve this by taking our technologies and drive it? What if? There's no more rush hour because the trains are so great. I mean, you don't want to all run into the same car at the same time to get stuck in traffic, but you have these capabilities and it's reliable and it's uh, it's available. What if you come up with the next cure for cancer? How do we scale it? How do we take this technology and scale it out to the world? We have this unique opportunity. We have to change, change even ourselves by becoming sort of more collaborative, by becoming more open, by having standard APIs. But if we do this, each one of you are on a mission to change the world, right? Best train operator, best green integration, the future of pharmacy. If each one of you could change the world, and if we can help a bit by making our capabilities available to all, that would be fantastic. And that would be the vision we have. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Digital Industries. If you want to know more about Siemens Accelerator, check out www.siemens.com.
com slash accelerator. Thank you for listening and join us again soon.